How how much? Okay, I'm. What is the proper? Because I can tell already, my hands gonna start cramping up. Oh, <laughs> you're clutching that thing. Like. I'm not. I'm I'm trying to do like because I do a lazy jujitsu grip anyway. But like, oh, I think you want like a what is it? A three finger grip here? Is like it, I've ooh, got three fingers. Three like fingers? The, the, all right. So all right. Well, I'll work on that. Yeah. But um, so the Globetrotters, I was, you sent me that one link, which let me just get out of the way. <laughs> SPG <laughs> because Chris Paynes is a black belt under Pritt Mickelson who's a black belt under Matt Thornton who's an SPG guy yeah so here you Although are if you see the promotion if you, you talk see the promotion. so much trash about my love for SPG and here you are what now oh what's funny is if um, there's actually a video of Chris getting his black belt oh and Preet is like I don't I don't believe in in black belts under people, it's just you're a black belt or you're not a black belt, and then you can keep, oh that's then you can kind of keep you can keep training you know and be a student again like you're done with that stuff and then you can go like keep training. So he was like, "It's Chris's day. Let's eat cake." And then he just like gives me, you know, <laughs> <Did he really? laughs> that's kind of awesome. <laughs> and then he kind of walked off. But again, that's I think also the guy's personality too is no is that. he very like. Well, you need to watch some of his on on the Globetrotter channel. Watch I, some well, of his. Call, okay. I, I just I started. Um, okay. So I started watching the Defend Everything one, which is excellent. Um. Uh, I started watching. Have you have you watched like all of them? Or no, they're you, too. I mean, they're a lot. They're very long. They're a lot. I and, mean, and and in all honesty, I think they they vary in quality too. So yeah, I was depending say, on the instructor and the material. Yes. Sometimes the material is targeted for, and also the audience. Like sometimes there's a very like super fundamentals class, and and sometimes the fundamental class will interest me more than an advanced class. I'm not saying it's the topic. It's just like anything, the teacher, the material, how it's taught. It's not. You're going to have a mixed bag of of instructor quality, or, or I'm not even going to say that instructors that click with you. That yeah, yeah they, there you, you go. Exactly. Right, right. Like, what's a good fit? And and I mean, so far, like the Chris guy is very good. Preet, what? How do I? I say Preet. Preet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Preet. but people say Prit. Prit. I mean, yeah, American. Yeah. Um, yeah. His his. I've I and I've I had pointed out to you before. I've seen him before in some old SBG tapes where he did. They like once a year they do a um, basically an instructor get together. Um, where sort of like, hey, this is sort of what everybody's been working on. What are you working on? And just sort of like a melding of ideas. And he's he was one of them. And and he's a very he's got a very, I don't know if it's for me is it, it's fair for me to say that it's a European style of humor or it's he says a very, Estonian. I mean Estonian humor. We're very dry. He, oh, it's very dry, right? And he was like, you know, we have a saying. I just remember seeing this, and he was he's just talking about like how. Like, if you ever get cross-faced in my gym, that means, like, your jujitsu sucks. <laughs> he's like, he's like, period. If you if you ever get cross-faced in the bottom position, your jujitsu sucks. Bad posture. And, and so that, I, that, that's, he's the, the, your jujitsu sucks guy that always sort of sticks out to me. But, so, um, I saw you lifting weights over there. What you got going on? You're doing the, yeah, the hot doing, on the I'm weights. Yeah, I'm doing my circuit, my circuits. So, Ooh. as of... <laughs> God, as your it. phone goes flying, <laughs> I talked about vibration and the whole phone goes shattering yeah. on the mats. So I've, uh, I think I've even told you, I've been of the belief that the best way for someone in my position to get better 
is to just focus on technique and developing attributes isn't going to matter too much. I'm, I'll get better by technique. And then once you're at a very high level and everyone's really close together skill-wise, then you worry about developing your attributes, your strength, your agility, your flexibility to have an edge up on equally skilled opponents. I'm still not very skilled. I'm, I'm, I'm working my way up. I'm developing my skills. However, I have felt that everyone walking in the door just seems to be bigger. <laughs> that's because you're getting older. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, you know. So the, the, whatever we're putting in the water or whatever Joe Rogan thinks is filtering into our water <laughs> is going into effect. Is, is it Joe Rogan or is it Eddie? That Everybody. <laughs> Any conspiracy theory. That last podcast, man, so much over-talking. Um, oh, which, oh, I didn't even... The JRE? Oh, no, my God. It's like, it's out of control. Because <laughs> so. like, they, they mentioned Epstein one time, and it's just... It was supposed to be, like, about the year, a year in review of MMA, and it just delved into Eddie talking about just conspiracies, and it was out of control. So... Um, so, so what's in the water is making, making you feel weaker. No, it's not weaker. It's just the... I feel like I'm going with guys that are bigger and stronger than me, and... I just I just felt like I need to start hitting the weights again. And again, not, how long have you taken a layoff then? So I would say I was steadily working out from when I was 16 all the way up until my late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> Hang on, so si that's like that's a lot of years of consistent lift. That's 16 years of lifting, assuming yeah. you're 32. Yeah, and so but lifted. That means you you stopped. It what happens like I would say I got some injuries towards the end of grad school that I think were actually lifting related that took away the consistency and momentum I developed. Was it ego lifting? Uh, it was a bench press competition. So yes, <laughs> it was the the absolute ego. It was a bench press competition lifting. at my school, and uh, I think just by doing that heavy lifting was this a bro things, competition or was it like an actual bench press? Competition? It was sanctioned by and run by the rec center of really this, yeah, and it was a it was a ratio lift thing. Okay, so it was like who could lift the most with respect to their, their ratio. What weight were you at? Uh, I was I stepped on the scale at one around 180 really yeah and okay. i got 290 or 295 nice Very i tried nice. to get 300 and i couldn't get 300 i never i've never been 300 and I've, that was, oh, that was my that was that was the goal right so that was your and how long were you building up to that i mean i've been i mean i had been lifting a lot up until that but i i was trying to i was doing bench which i i never really did bench i always was a dumbbell press guy so I switched to bench just for the competition. So only a few months. Oh, really? Yeah. The um, <laughs> these children are so loud <laughs> next door. Oh, I <laughs> it is. I God, like if I can just raise my kid to not do that. Wait until you hear Eric. Eric starts screaming at him. Oh no, I know. <laughs> but his is like a weird. Then Paul says, "Go get him, Eric." <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be the guy who. Have you seen that meme of like? regardless of your age always give your all and it's like the fucking instructor like doing like an uchimata on like an eight-year-old kid oh yeah dumb. like like that's gonna be him and he's gonna think it's awesome right like um but anyways the okay so 280 and you injured yourself what'd you injure 
so I it was uh, some sort of labrum tear, I want to say, in my shoulder. For those of us, me included, I don't know what submission can hit a labrum, so I don't know what a labrum is. <laughs> so we need <laughs> like, Mike on here to, to explain exactly that. But basically, uh, my right shoulder, there's like there was a clicking that developed ooh. in a certain... If you rotate your shoulder, it would start to click. So basically, the labrum is a, is in there along with your rotator cuff that kind of keeps with stability. And I think I partially tore it. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but it wasn't something that it was like, ah, I heard it. It was just lifting too heavy too often. And ever since then, you kind of backed off of lifting? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just for maintenance or? or? I backed off it because I always, it actually took a, a lot of downtime for it to, oh, to actually go away. Mm-hmm. Now Didn't, I actually feel I can lift heavy, like lift heavy again if I wanted to, but okay. I don't. So I think I, I did. I think I was better than most people, like most bros at the time with the lifting, in terms of what I was doing to my body. But I'm still guilty of probably well 100 um, percent putting too much stress on my joints and putting wear and tear on my joints unnecessarily because of too much overload, not. Again, not possessing the knowledge that I possess now, and even what I possess now is pretty um, minimal in my opinion, but I'm realizing just through this, like I went from 163 to 170 in about a month, and that's- Of lifting? Of lifting. So that's a combination of water weight, fat, and some muscle mass, okay? Nice. So there's there's a whole, I'm not saying I put on yeah, seven pounds like, of lean yeah, muscle. Like, I know that 100%. There's more water weight in I there. I mean, it's possible- it's I just not, don't think you're doing that. No, I, I'm not doing it that way. For sure. <laughs> like, but so I'm definitely, I'm definitely taking in a lot more calories. Are you? And, you know, I'm. Wait, do you eat? Do I do my shakes? Do I eat what meat? Uh, so I went pescatarian for a month. I'm off that. So that's so okay. Let, having, let me let I'm me having, cut you off. I'm having. Uh, Why do people say <laughs> that for some reason fish is not meat? I don't know. <laughs> because it's the flesh of a fucking animal, right? So in my opinion, people are like, no, 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 I, I don't eat meat. I wasn't meat. doing it for that reason. Okay, though. I'm like, because to me, that's a crock of shit. Like, no, you're I was killing do- I was doing to eat it its flesh, therefore you're, a vet- you're not a vegetarian. I was doing it because I think it's harder to get good quality red meat and chicken as opposed to fish. Yeah, I guess it's a purer. Like, I, I'm talking about, like, if I, was, if I was in the, you know... If I was out on the farm with chickens and I was wringing their heads and plucking the feathers and eating it, that's high quality chicken. It's just, it's very, you know, all this stuff is very, and are you har- so with anti- harvested like, meat, you know, harvested yeah, yeah, meat like versus, you know, versus grown, like, yeah. Uh, so you, <clears throat> but you, you feel as though I, but that's the thing though, right? Isn't most fish now farmed fish or are you going out and like you're specifically choosing wild caught try to yeah you do okay all right well then fair enough fair enough um interesting i i i'd I'd like to do a control experiment then with you (laughs) so of like one month you doing like only pure like aggro business like chicken breast like purdue (laughs) yeah (laughs) or tyson right and then like the next month and a half but you have to be able to control like every bit of that physical activity you do and like log everything. And then like the next month you do like only wild caught fish. And the next month you do like impossible burgers. As as long as you're getting the same amount of protein. My concern with the like the harvested f- food is more 
potential long-term side effects than like nutritional it, quality. Okay, so you mean like fucking pesticides yeah. and hormones added and all sure. that bullshit, bullshit. So, so that's more of a peace of mind thing at this point in time. So what was your protocol prior to you injuring yourself? I mean, like... Leading, I was lifting. I, mean, like, I was probably lifting five days a week. It was a bodybuilding type routine. Single joint movements. Very so I would like, do like I would do back on Monday. What was your goal then? Just be jacked. It, it was. It was. I would say it was sixty percent feeling good, forty percent vanity. And really, maybe it was like fifty-five, forty-five, <laughs> <laughs> or fifty-one, forty. You know, forty-nine kind of thing. So, what is your protocol now? My protocol now is three days a week. Longer rest between movements, emphasis on strength movements. Longer rest between movements? Yes. So you're not trying to build any sort of like cardiovascular conditioning off of it? No, the jiu-jitsu does that. Okay, fair enough. And in my opinion, and not go to failure anymore. Before out of fear a, of risk of injury? Because I think it's unnecessary, I'm realizing. That's the whole thing listening to Pavel. It's like if, if, you're, if you can... If, if let's say you can lift 100 pounds 10 times to failure, just lift it six times. Six times? Yeah. Ooh, that's very... So, and, and, and I've found that for what I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to be Mike O'Hearn. I'm not trying to be Jay Cutler. I'm not trying to be, you know, a power lifter. So that's the thing I don't, I don't thing know any too, like, right? famous like... power lifters off the, top, off the top of my head. I just named bodybuilders. But so for what I'm doing, I can get more than adequate gains in my opinion and reach what I'm trying to hit, which is just a stronger frame for jujitsu doing a routine that very much minimizes the, the risk of injury. And that's kind of, because to me it's like, if I can just, if I can do the movements and then eat adequate nutrition, that to me is a big thing. It's less about, I always kind of knew it was less about maxing out all the time and more about nutrition. But man, it really is that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what are you um So what are the the strength movements that you say you're focusing on versus what you were doing before? Cuz we all go through these cycles, right? Like so when I, we all start lifting. Cuz I started lifting actually around the same time about 15 years old in high school, weightlifting team, which that is in high school, I don't know if you had weightlifting in your high school. Well, you were homeschooled, right? Correct. So you did not have weightlifting no. in your high school. I was doing pull-ups on the tree outside. Okay. So you... I started when I was, I think, 13 or 14. Okay. Or maybe yeah. 15. But there are no weights. So I was actually... The, that was one thing that was really... Did you not lift weights? Is this not I a part not of your lift, tennis? I did not like, lift weights until I was like 17. Really? Which is actually, I think, awesome that I did. And probably... I think that might have helped me with injuries because I haven't knock on wood had like significant injuries do you feel as though like i feel like i got out of this bro thing relatively unscathed honestly because you didn't put the earlier mileage yes. the earlier mileage on yeah so that's the thing too right like don't you feel as though for example because i think the idea of strength and conditioning is changing a lot amongst athletes now 100 percent. like way more so than even 10 years ago, right? Like the idea that you don't lift weights because it'll slow you down and make you build bulk, whatever the case is, right? Like just all these sort of like myths. Were you, you were doing any sort of strength and conditioning for your tennis? No. Really? No, you were just was, only doing tennis? Yeah. 
That was a mandate. I was a kid. I was playing tennis, and even even which is good. I when mean, I was te- even when I was teaching at the academy, where you would see that sort of development, there was no. The fitness was more jogging, uh, mobility. There wasn't strength training. The strength training comes in when the person has more of an adult body. When the athlete has more of an adult frame. Now okay. at the time. My dad, and I think also the belief system at the time, I don't know what the belief system now, was that lifting weights had an effect on your growth plates and you would stunt your growth. I think that's changed. I don't, I don't know if that's changed. I, 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 like, I, I haven't been has. on yeah, top, yeah. but because I'm not a teenager anymore, not thinking about it. You I'm know? a parent, so I'm like, <laughs> at what point can I start having Connor lift weights? <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I sit there and I'll bust out, like, my 10-pound kettlebell and I'll be like, lift that thing. And he gets, the, he gets in front of me, he does this, like, perfect squat and he, he's... He's two, right? So, like, he can't do it. Are you going to have one of those, like, Russian kids that's, like, Jack? Like, you know those... Dude, have you seen the Instagram of, like, the little Bruce Lee kid? Who's oh, like, yeah. Oh, the nunchucks man. Who, yeah, who, and like, he, he's memorized the, the, uh, the, the Chinese from, connection. From, oh, my God. It's... <laughs> and that's what I have to hold myself back from doing. Right? Oh, jeez. Like, like, I need... <laughs> Let your kid do what he wants to do. I, I, want him, I want him to do that, but, I'm, but I have to hold him back. Right? Like, if he wants to go play Barbies or whatever the case is, like, it's going to kill me, but like, I have to like, go let him play with Barbies, right? Well, that's like two sides of a spectrum. I wasn't saying... Yeah, I, I'm just... I, just let me have my... I fight with this every day, Noah. Like, the other day, we went to fucking... <laughs> it, it, was, it was a day where I, it was me and Connor. And because uh, his mom was out doing volunteer work, you want to talk about how different of personalities we are. I punch and kill people, and she goes and does volunteer work for the homeless. Um, so I had Connor duty, and we went to do our thing. And on the way back, I was like, "Hey, if you're a good boy, we'll go get some ice cream, right?" So we go to Walmart, and I'm like, "All right, man. You know, I, I want my kid to be able to make decisions. I'll give him choices. I'm not going to impose stuff on him." And I pick him up, and I'm holding him for the ice cream case. I'm like, "Which one do you want to get?" And he goes, "That one." I was like, "Fuck, are you serious, man?" And it's fucking unicorn ice cream. It's like pink and purple with sparkles. I'm like, you want that one? He's like, yes. Like fucking hell. <laughs> so like the like the the like the late gen wire gen Xer of me goes like, oh, what's going on here? And but then, then the like the younger like millennial side of me goes like, you know what? More power. If to If he him. wants unicorn ice cream, let's get some unicorn ice cream. But then on the way down, because you know I'm five foot ten, I'm carrying this like two year old kid. On the way down, he goes, "Ooh, that one!" And he points at brownie chocolate ice cream with brownie bits. I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" And then so he's I thought like, he was gonna point to like the GI Joe one, and you'd be like, "Yeah." <laughs> no. So I'm like, you know, and he's like, "That one." I'm like, "So which one do you want?" And he's like, "That one." And he points back to the to unicorn. I'm like, "You don't want that one?" He's like that one so i'm like i guess i have to buy two things ice cream so like as such i'm uh, these are the battles that i have to fight every day right like i want him to do jujitsu and kill people i also want him to have the option if he wants to play with barbies to play with barbies or eat unicorn ice cream which is delicious by the way so it was it was so how come you had some you had to have some I mean, I just want to take, I'm, oh. I'm fucking buying a $5 thing of ice cream. I'm not, oh, it, I'm oh. not saving it for. I thought when you said ice cream, it was like a little ice cream pop. No, no, no. It's a, it's a half gallon of fucking ice cream, dude. Oh. So like, <laughs> like, I'm not letting that shit go to waste. Like, you know, he's got a two-year-old. He's got an attention span oh, of a yeah. day and a half. He's going to eat that and I'll be like, I'll ask him if he wants it again. And he'll be like. Maybe eh. that's why all these guys coming in the gym are big. They because eat. because ki- like when you buy ice cream for a kid, you get a fucking quart, like a, <laughs> yeah, a half, a half gallon, a gallon of ice cream. <laughs> But 
So, Xander, how come you're so big? <laughs> it's because I ate unicorn ice cream when I was two and a half. Um, so maybe that's the secret. I need to pump them full of unicorn ice cream. Um, it's got glitter in it though, which is weird because I'm like, we're ingesting like glitter. I don't know what it's made out of, but I'm like, this and can't I'm wor- be. And I'm worried about like non-organic chicken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I'm <laughs> and, and now we're eating glitter. <laughs> we're putting <laughs> like, plastic into our bodies. Purple glitter. What in nature is purple? Like, Oh yeah. Um, that's but, why I try to always get that Gatorade Frost now that doesn't have any coloring. Oh, come on, man. I, it, it, you're not going to live to be a thousand. The, the, the marginal risk of... <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Peace of mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> the other funny thing is like, and I've never ingested, and this is where uh, a scientist or someone that comes up with these food and these colorings is probably shaking their head, but my primitive brain is like, I've ingested countless gallons of Gatorade over my life. Never, never seen any of that color when I go to the bathroom. But if I have beets, it's like I got punched in the gut super hard. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I never. I mean, there must be some sort of like oxidation that's happening. I'm, right? Well, like, I, that's what I'm saying. So the, the smart person out there is like, well, it's obvious because at the chemical level, this is what happens. That blah, was blah, blah. okay. So like, this my, is my this is my like that would be like the narrative brain just yeah. saying, well, it can't be bad because look, it doesn't even do this, and you can eat beets, and beets are good for well, you. That you know would know look I mean? that would be even worse then, right? Because you're fucking also your 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 stomach acids aren't even breaking it down. Yeah. So that would make it worse, in my opinion. I don't yeah. know. But um, it's funny because like my I have a buddy. Shout out to Chris Bowers. Was there when I test for my white or my blue belt? Um, he, he's my buddy from college, and he was like, "Chris, you got to get these pads. We can detoxify our bodies." And I was like, "Chris, get the fuck out of here, man." What you, are pa- what pads? This, oh my god! So this, this is coming from the kid who literally dips fucking Chick Fil A chicken nuggets into mayonnaise and eats them like that. Which uh, is, oh, it's disgusting. So I knew a guy like that in college. It's I gross. Won't, I won't shout him out because I don't want to call him out, but. No, but he, and, and he would actually one of the appreciate most disgusting this. people I've actually but, but, encountered. Bowers drank Mountain Dew and ate Publix cookies for breakfast every day. He would eat like eight cookies in Mountain uh, Dew. And mind you, he's not like fat. He would run like he. You, you can't outwork a bad diet. This kid did. Um, he <laughs> sounds like Paul Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> but he he these pads right? They were like you put them on the bottom of your feet at night. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. On the bottom of your feet. On the bottom of your feet at night, and it sucks out all the impurities, Noah. And they turn black, and he's like, Chris, they turn black. I'm like, Bowers, there's probably some sort of fucking oxidizing component that when you pull that, like, seal off and you're exposed to air or the sweat on your feet or the cases, it's probably turning. It's not sucking anything out of your feet. Like, he's like, Chris, I don't know. And, And that's... You're being exercised, bro. What's that? You're being exercised, like the exorcist. Yeah, like I guess so, right? The like the, 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 the super bad juju out of your out of your your things there. So, beats. Very healthy for you. <laughs> that, you're so you're such a hipster. You 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 have just solidified to me. I grew up you on a farm. We had an organic. I grew up in the country. We had an organic garden my entire life. So most people would probably classify my parents as hippies, even though they would definitely not classify themselves right, as hippies. Right, because it's, yeah, yeah. It's like But the, they're definitely on, the, the simplest way to explain them to a stranger is, is like that, is more on that side of things. I mean, they, I mean, they're hippies as in like living off the land sort of thing. I mean, that's not a hippie. Yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, like if I, I think hippie, did they have like a VW bug or not a VW no, bug? No, no, no. It's not. It's not like that. Okay, all right. Because that's what I think of hippie, like a like a like tie dye. Let's tie dye. No, no, not at all. See, yeah. and my dad didn't even like, especially now, you know my my dad is didn't even was was not an American. Like he didn't grow up in the states. Right, so right, he, right. That doesn't even apply to him. Oh it's yeah, just, it's just, a, yeah. They've adopted a lifestyle which is very much. Let's be out the country. Let's let's be more in nature. Uh, they're not necessarily fans of living in an urban environment. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. So and they live in Winter Park, in Maine. In Maine, yeah. Winter Park does. <laughs> you live in Winter Park. What am I talking about? Yeah, I live around Winter Park. Yeah, for sure. Do they still live on a farm? Yeah, nine acres. Do they still tend to the everything? Yeah, really. And that's why I make I make I make your pilgrimage. pilgrimages at various times of year to help out with. Uh, so trimming the apple trees is my thing. So I'll trim the Wait, apple so trees. Wait, so hang on. When you go to Maine, you're straight up. I put myself to work. Really? Yeah. How many people are on their farm? Well, it, it, it's not a farm. There's no. There, it was a farm, but there are no livestock. Like the kitchen, the, the chicken coop was converted into my dad's art studio. Okay. So okay, it's you're, just, you're it's, heading towards hippie. It's, hippie it's garden and... Uh, Blueberry fields and apple trees. So would that be that's so? What classifies that's an orchard then, right? I don't know, man. It's just I'm trying to live I'm, out in the country. It's a mixture of things. But so when the shit main goes ta- down, like you the, know, what the to better do. thing to do, the better thing to say is my the main task that I try to to do when I make my various pilgrimages up there. Thankfully, is a direct flight from Sanford, so it's actually highly convenient. Oh, nice! Is With trimming the, the apple trees in the fall or late summer what kind of apples i don't even know they're red apples and and, and green apples are they gala i don't know Can you bring me some gala I, on, I really honestly don't know but apple. the big thing is to eliminate the suckers and then i mean that's its, its own little art form but i just doing that um hang on is that how apples are picked by hand like there's a dude crawling on a ladder going to each branch pulling an apple off of branches I don't know. We don't. We don't really. Har- That's the one thing we don't harvest. That that like. Oh, okay, I almost right. want to do it like a, a cider press. I'm just keeping the the trees trimmed, so that the the apples do grow nicely, but the trees don't grow too big and then branches break. Like oh, like I an apple tree un untrimmed will actually could grow and overextend itself and then yeah. start breaking limbs. It's only okay. so it's not like an oak tree. It just fucking gets no. gigantic and huh. We have that, that's due to like human meddling though, right? Like, yeah. So the other big one is stacking the wood and putting the wood in the basement. So we don't have any central heat. We have a wood stove. Oh my God. So our source of heat is wood. Like a pot belly stove? Uh, yes. Kind of like that. It's fed from the top. But yeah, yeah, there's no like. We, we don't cook with it. We don't cook with it. We only heat the house. Okay. All right, we don't right. cook with it. We cook with a gas stove. Whoa! But, Do you have electricity? Yes. Oh, okay. So you're not. You're but not we don't Amish. have any sort of central heat. Really? It's only it's only the the stove, so which is essentially a fireplace. How the fuck do you sleep at night? Dude, that thing heats the fucking shit out of the place. Does it really? Oh, absolutely. Oh, really? So what happens is we have a basement, and in the basement is where we keep the dry wood. So the dry wood is the wood that was dried the previous year and was brought inside, so it can't get wet. And you can easily okay. access it throughout the winter. And then, so bringing that inside is a chore. We have three to four cords every year. 
that's a measurement for wood. I don't know how it translates it, but it's about. It's, it's a lot of fucking wood. Um, I it's a it's it would mean a stack of it would be like wood that. I don't know how to describe it. It's like twenty. I don't know, maybe like twenty, twenty-five feet in length, like four and a half feet high, and then six feet Did wide. Did you have to cut this shit? No, no. no oh, okay. Oh, where like, where oh we live in God. Maine is actually uh, the main industry is lumber. Oh, okay. That's the lumbering industry is big. Bangor was a big hub back in the day. People would float logs down the river. Oh really? That's kind of how you they the way they would transport it back in the old days would cut yeah, yeah, yeah. trees and then put it in the river and float it down. Float it down to the, the mill, right? To the mill, exactly. That's awesome. So we haven't Crazy. talked about jujitsu yet. Which no, is we crazy. haven't. Um, we're talking about your your <laughs> your like Mowgli. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of the most. How you're Mowgli, like hanging around, the most like hanging Mowgli off thing. of trees doing pull-ups. Yep. I mean, I climbed a, I climbed a maple tree every day. That was my big tree. Did you really? No, I climbed that thing up and down. I, you know, I climbed. Do kids climb trees anymore? I don't think they do. I, I, I grew up climbing trees, sweet gum trees down here in Orlando. I don't think, I, don't, I can't say the last time I've I mean, seen I a kid still, in my neighborhood. I mean, I still, when I go back, I'll climb the tree. It's, do you really? Oh, yeah. If I'm afraid of heights would, now, If so. that tree were to get cut down, I would be devastated. It would be like a loss in the family. Oh, man. I mean, Did you carve your name into it? God, no. Of course not. Why not? I wouldn't damage a tree like that. With Man, that shit will last forever. Shit. That thing's going to be there longer than you and I will ever be here. I mean, we've seen one go down. One almost hit our house when it fell down. It probably was close to 200 years old, maybe Holy older. Shit. Yeah. But these really? are like maples. Like someone tried to tap the tree, which is you can't, like someone was just trying to be sneaky and tap the tree for maple syrup. Can you not do that? It's not if it's on your property. Oh, like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> did they think that some that you guys wouldn't notice some random dude walking up with a bucket? Or it's like, <laughs> like I don't know. It's like there are ring doorbells it's like the, now. What like, is down here, it's like the beach, like the shore is like common. You're right, right, yeah. It's like you don't own the shoreline; anyone can walk on it. So as long as people are just like just walking, uh, but oh, okay. Um, so. Jiu-jitsu wise, I, man, I had I had a topic I was thinking. Well, about I, I had the thing I wanted to bring up. Oh, would you go, go, please? So the the big story in the jiu-jitsu world for Central Florida was Craig Jones was in town. Oh my God, yeah, and so Craig Jones is in town, and I missed out on seeing this live twice. So I had found out through Paul that Craig Jones might be dropping into Fusion. In West Orlando, shout out to Fusion XL, and train because I guess he's doing a seminar circuit, and Orlando was, I guess, on his way. So I was hoping that Julian, the head instructor at Fusion, would let Paul know, and then I would find out and be able to at least watch, you know? Honestly, it was like, hey, it would be cool to get a photo with the guy. I'd be like, hey, yeah, I met I mean, Craig like, Jones, right? I feel like. Jiu-Jitsu celebrity is not big enough where people would be like, who the fuck are you? Like, yeah, they're still they, they like, would, yeah, I'll yeah, take a photo with you. I don't care. Yeah. Or like, like back in the day, the guy who says that there'll be $10 for an eight by 10 or something. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like. So I came here and trained in the middle of the day thinking, well, I, I can bug Paul about this. Like, you know, and then Julian shows up after training and tells everybody that Craig Jones was just there. 
<laughs> and it trained for an hour. Like, God dang it. And then I guess he went back the very next day, oh, unbeknownst he? to me, and do the same thing and train for an hour in the middle of the day. He's just missed both, missed both times. So that was the big news. And then, and in Julian's words, you know, he came there and he went through the entire gym, which that's crazy. Doesn't really. It doesn't sound me. like well, impressive said, until he, he you. Said, well, no, including yeah. and he said including Jacare, which that's again, what I'm saying, like, until you. But see that doesn't surprise me because it's no gi. And you're going with a nogi specialist to specialize in leg locks. Exactly. You know, yeah, if they right. went in gi, I'm sure Jack Ray would, would handle himself quite well, you know? And it also goes back to the thing, too. It's like, we don't know how hard everybody's going either. So, like, you know. Well, this is the thing that, that I had this realization. And the realization is, how shitty is it to be Craig Jones in the sense that... Wait, what do you mean? He just... He this got guy, world-class training to come for This two guy, wherever he goes, I want to drop in and train. Everybody and their mother, A, is going to come out of the woodwork, and B, is coming out for blood. Are they, though? Or do they want to learn? I think someone wants to... I want... I think you think people want to get off on the fact like, they say that, I got him or something? I got him, exactly. I think it's a bunch of Eric's. What do you think Eric's going to do if he goes with Craig Jones? He's going to I'd like over. to think that he would have the respect to not... But, but here's the thing. is like Eric doing what Eric does isn't a danger to Craig Jones. He would be an idiot to try it with Greg Jones. My point is, when does Craig Jones get to practice? All um, he can do is go true. a game. Unless, of course, he goes with vastly yeah, lower skilled opponents. Is, but how many percent of the people in the world? I mean, like it's two percent that he's that he really has to bring a game with, right? The other ninety-eight percent he can funnel to whatever the fuck he wants. So he can train. It's Nogi. He doesn't even know that until. I mean, I know he, he could identify pretty quickly. Like he can play a game for the ten seconds and realize, oh, this guy. This not guy, yeah, like yet. I'm fine, you know. But still, I just think, like wherever he goes, he has, you talk about getting a target on your back whenever you get a new belt, oh, dude. Yeah. What does a world class grapple have when he drops into train? Now, granted, I'm sure he gets welcome. He does. He's he 100% doesn't pay like a drop-in fee. No, you no, know, no, everyone's no, happy. He's there. Yeah, I, mean, I just get the Photoshop's alone. I just, get that, it. but still, it just seems so. You know, unless and, and but you know when I thought about it some more, I was like maybe maybe it's still it's an ego thing. Maybe as long as you don't have the ego, it's like who cares if everyone at the at that gym that's, taps you if you're a, practicing stuff. You're the one competing at ADCC, and right? Exactly. Medals. Like, but still. Everyone does the fuck. Maybe it's because I'm a bro or whatever. You know, it's like. But if you hear like on on the Mappern podcast, uh, who is it? Like Hinger and um, Keenan talk about like when they do seminars and stuff, and they want to roll afterwards, and they make a conscious effort to roll with everybody. Like, not one. You know, for it's it's strange because they actually remember who tapped them. So obviously, it's on their minds. They talk about there's one with uh, with uh, Lucas Barbosa and he talks about yeah bro they all Shark Tank us they're these five black belts that are just waiting they don't even roll yeah they're, they're, they're and then sweating. they wait for me to roll like twenty minutes thirty five minutes in so I'm already tired and that's so but like but they were still good they were still fine you know so I mean, I mean like that to me indicates I'm like. They said it would it was, be. Like, I mean, Lucas said it's some. It's hard, man. Like I. No, I, I know it's, it's hard, yeah. but but they're still like, they're still the upper two percent of the bell curve. So like, I I understand that they can defend themselves, but it's kind of it's kind of shitty to me that you have to constantly be defending yourself. You know what I but mean? But you're the, also the one putting yourself out there. 
I guess. I mean, like it's a part of the game, right? Like when you're 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 because here's the thing: is like when they drop in, what is what is their expectation? Hey, I just want to drop in for a glass, or is it like I want to drop? It in was for an a open bowl. mat. It was just so an that's open just mat. it. Too, it wasn't right? even like, a class. So it's it's. I mean, it's fusion is sort of like the fighters gym's fighters gym in Orlando, right? So like he knew what he was getting into. He's not like, oh, I'm gonna go work on some technique. I want to come over to AT2 Orlando and work deep half variations with Paul. Yeah, Rodriguez. exactly. I mean, that's just not what he's interested in right now. You know, and there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. That's our curriculum right now. So, I mean, that's that's it. I, I Does it suck or just shows that you're the fucking man right now? I guess right now in Miami, there's like uh, the head, the one of the head organizers of ADCC brought in Locker a lot of zone, marquee right? grapplers and they're having a grapple. A little they private do that, training right? session. Like, is that the guy that was on their podcast? Yeah, like he's I the think organizer. So. There's like a video of Gordon rolling with JT, and there are a bunch of guys. The God Rotolo brothers it. are down there. It's funny because I, I watched JT and and Gordon rolling, and I think in the background Henry Cejudo's just watching. <laughs> so it's just kind of like this little inner circle of people of just killers for one. Oh, and, yeah. And well, they're what they are is top level ADC competitors yeah, exactly. and medalists. So, Stacy just texted me. It, I don't know if you know this, Noah. And just speaking of beets not digesting in your stomach. Oh boy! It's Girl Scout cookie season. Okay. Would you be interested in a box? No. No. And I'll say that on the record. No. Why? Because uh, I don't eat cookies. You don't eat cookies? No, not really. Man. I know I suck. Live a little, dude. You only got one life. Well, what I for good causes, I'll tell you this. I bought a, I bought a rash guard. Okay. More oh, the, expensive. The Aussie one. One of the Aussie nice. ones, yeah. Where all the proceeds who, who, go to. Uh, it was the one with a koala on it. It was actually one that Greg Jones advertised. Oh, is it? It okay, has a koala nice. on it. There's also an Aussie strong one that looks cool, but from Hyperfly. So. This might come out. This is going to probably drop a lot later, but I'm sure it'll still be around. You can check out basically uh, rash guards that have been made specifically for the wildfire situation in Australia. Oh, you make me feel like shit now for supporting some little girl instead of buying a rash guard to there support koalas, in which I literally know three people who live in Australia now. Uh. So there you go. Shout out to our listeners in Australia. Yeah, man. I, Alistair, I think listened to it. He's he's my buddy. He's he's one of the guys that came to ATT Orlando with with me from Gracie Baja. So he's he's back in Australia. He's like we call him Thor. What part of Australia? East I don't or West Coast? No, I just I just call it Australia. It's a big ass <laughs> continent. <laughs> I know he's not on. You're fire. really showing that Americans don't know geography. That yeah, well. and I, you know, I'm also showing the fact that I texted him to see how he's doing. He replied to me, and I forgot to reply back to him. Um, so I'm a terrible friend, also. And actually, a girl I went to elementary school with joined the Air Force, decided to move to Australia and live there. And she's like there now. I'm like, you ever come back, Stephanie? She's like, no. Shout out to Stephanie. Yeah, so that's cool too. Um, well, let me ask you then. You've been a black belt for about a month. Yeah, I guess so. Have you noticed the difference in how people roll with you? No, because I I don't think so. You don't think so? I I don't I don't know, man. Like I <laughs> Do I, I you even like, roll anymore? <laughs> I do. I try to. And then, and that's the thing is like I and that's what I think people 
maybe they shy away from it now too or something i don't know it's it's strange because like i can say i've probably rolled less recently but and, and keep in mind like this week i think is sort of like my first week back of a of normal see from the thing settling down yeah finally like the, the holidays are over my fucking christmas lights came down i'm not getting nagged to like clean out this closet to put connor's toys away just all this other bullshit my water heater's not breaking my fucking brakes or my fucking car is not getting replaced all this bullshit so like everything's good i trained it tuesday morning back on the mats um so i think after this week i'll be it'll be a better gauge as to like how my training is going i can tell you i've been lifting weights way more consistently back on that track so i'm not doing everyone that thing. trains at 6 a.m seems to be huge yeah except you got me. the super heavyweights oh my god you and tommy are the only Yo, oh my god and john height um yeah so like yeah but yeah everybody's it's is it like a some sort of like a big guy thing that they just wake up earlier or or what i don't know oh it's yeah. is jujitsu easier for a bigger guy to maintain because they don't get smashed as much in their career Oh. Do you think people stick around? Wow, you're around? calling them out, aren't you? So wait, hang on. So is jujitsu easier for somebody who's bigger just because they they're usually the one dealing the damage? Probably less. It's probably they're probably less experienced as being unpleasant. I don't know. I mean, you're just so big. I guess so. As long as you're big and you have some sort of cardio. If you don't have cardio, then you're miserable. You think they take less damage? Yeah, I mean, there's well, probably some. I would hope that. none of us are taking damage on the mats. What's your definition of damage? Having a rough go of it, basically? If you're. If you're having to take a, your next class off, then you've suffered some sort of damage. Oh. Yes, as long as a big person. I don't know. I, I don't actually. I would think, but I don't know because I'm not six four. I think it depends on the person, that person themselves, and how willing they Again, are. Again, we're talking about people that we can't identify with. No, I mean, they, it's just. It, I don't know. It's just. It depends on what they do, right? Like, for example, and this is all. It boils down to personality, and it boils down to the girl and grappling style. Brian McKenzie, for example, probably has suffered more injury than Kali because he has a more diverse game, right? He plays off his back more. He plays more leg locks. I'm also wondering if with, a, with the more weight you carry and the bigger your frame, does that mean any sort of fall could be more damaging than a More catastrophic to you. More, exactly. I mean, that's, that's variable could be a possibility. I mean, like, because bones don't get stronger because you're bigger, right? Like... If anything, the lever is longer, right? Well, I'm, I'm to, like, for example, I'm thinking of of John had a match, an IBJF match. I think it was the finals that he won, and there was a position where he was on his opponent, or I, f I forget the scenario. It was like his opponent picked him up. Basically, John's weight was being bared by his opponent, and then his opponent collapsed, and his knee gave out. And my point is just, if you're bigger and you fall, I want to think that that's not as good as, there's just more mass, like the impact. Right. Uh, okay, so that, that leads me, I have a question about that, right? Because, <laughs> always back to comic books, you're familiar with Giant Man, Scott Lang from 
the MCU, like Marvel Comics, right? He can get like super big. What? So what? Ant-Man becomes giant Ant-Man. Yes. In Civil oh, Scott War. Lang. Yeah, Scott yeah, Lang, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> one of the things about Ant-Man is that he doesn't have super strength or anything. He just becomes big, but his bones and muscle and stuff maintain this normal integrity of that of somebody proportionally... Of, of the same... Smaller, but just the proportions remain the same, right? So technically, wouldn't that make him weaker? Because our bones are evolved to maintain its structure and strength and leverage and whatnot for somebody of our, like, I, I don't, I'm not an engineer, but my suspicion is. I can tell you, I recall as a kid, I want to say this is trivia and maybe I was misinformed, but an ant, and this is funny because it's an ant, answer Right, as a kid, you learn they're very strong for their size. Like 80, look at them, eighty times. Look at look at what they can carry and all this stuff. But they're, they're were, also operating on eight limbs or six limbs. If and you not. were to make an ant larger, blow them up, they would they they would collapse under the weight of themselves. Exactly right. So there is some sort of because their their exoskeletons don't get more dense, right? Like just as a human, like. Scott Lang, his he becomes thirty feet tall. His bones don't become more dense, but his limbs are automatically longer. His muscles are longer and stuff. So that's actually his skeleton may or may not be able to support the same amount of weight. So I don't know how much variation is that between somebody who's Chihuahua size versus somebody who's Shout John. To Chihuahua, who's training, whose main training partner now, Marcel according Garcia? to him, is uh, Gian Grippo. Really? That's what he's. <laughs> I mean, to, to say main training partner. That's what he said. <laughs> and he said, he said, Grippo said, I'm a good training partner, not what you said about me, bro. <laughs> like, he gave me a random voice message last night, and this is what he said. He said, Grippo, he's like, I'm going to just exaggerate and say he's, he's Grippo's main training partner. Grippo called out, Let, let's train, let's train together, because you're a good training partner. So, yeah, man. And he's like, once, once he's like, bro. Once he gets a hold of you, bro, it's over, bro. It's just—he's a world champion, of course. I would think. I was like, we can beat you up for half the price. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, like. But the um, so either way, I don't. I don't think it's more catastrophic. Maybe it is more catastrophic. The the proportional difference between someone Chihuahua size and somebody John Yoga John size that the risk of injury goes that that much more can be more catastrophic. I mean, we should ask a biologist. Who's, who's a biologist at the gym? Who's what? Who's a bi- biologist at the gym? We'd be able to oh, ask. Oh, John. I mean, like, he does, like, nano stuff. I'll ask him on Thursday. No, I'm not. Yeah, well. That's not yeah, what is your gonna. schedule now? Training So, wise. I've. It sounds like you're twice a week. I'll be Tuesday. Two days a week, but training twice on Tuesdays. Yeah, twice on Tuesdays and then Saturday. Which oh, and Thursday morning. No, I'm I'm not teaching Thursday morning anymore. But I thought that was a one-time thing. No, dude, I I I've I've already told the guys, like it's I'm probably not gonna be coming Thursday morning. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm. Oh, I thought that was. I, a I almost thing. I almost don't even want to get it to talk about it because oh, it's, it's gonna, you, it's gonna set sad. me. Yeah. So I've yeah. Uh, it's man. amazing that you have work that that obligates you to do work at six. It's in the terrible. Morning. How unfair! <laughs> Woe is me, right? 
Um, no, it's just I think it, with with Tommy back too. I mean, like it's they're not missing out on much, you know. Like with without me being there, you're missing out on training with Tommy. I know that's the. Trust, trust me. Like it's, it's. <laughs> I thought about this. And it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's took me a while. Like I, I didn't want to do it, but it was just one of the situations where I was disappointing. It was causing me to have a lot more resentment towards other people than I really needed to have at like, work. You mean at work? Exactly. So like people who like who had committed to me that they would do things so I could teach that class and not have an issue with it, and then it's just it got more often than not that like. I'm having a call out from teaching because of they were unable to fill their obligations. So that's such is life. That's I, mean, I got to pay the bills. So what the day, day do you think you could squeeze a third day? Because two days know. seems pretty. Two days is pretty terrible. light. I know, and it, and it looks bad too, right? Because like I just got my black. But I was trying to. I was busting my ass. You know, they say if it's important to you, you'll make the time. If it's not, you make an excuse and blah blah blah, right? And like it looks bad. So like leading up to the year, I've been still making a conscious effort to get in. I gave my black belt December seventh, and then like after the holidays, He's oh, checked I can't, out. Yeah, oh, I can't teach on Thursday. No, it looks convenient, right? But it's it's not the case. I'm I'm hoping to make it up with another day, maybe Thursday nights. I don't know. It's just it's or 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 maybe maybe I'll implement like an early morning Saturday or something, just to just to get some extra mat time because I know Stacy like. She's a little disappointed in the situation too, because she she can tell when I'm, if I don't get my jujitsu quarter for the week, how how sort of like irritable I get and stuff, and I don't, you know. So I, I'll I'll get it in one way or another. So, but, you, you should know. come in Sunday at at ten a.m., bro. It's weekends are hard, man. It's just weekends are family. Do the time. leg lock drilling class. I I would love to. That's the thing is, I if if we're up to me, I would just do Tuesday Thursday evenings, and then like Saturday Sunday mornings. Okay. You know, just to get a good four solid hours of work in. And then, you know, because the only reason why I even really started doing the morning thing was was kind of for selfish reasons, too. Because, like, I couldn't train as much in the evenings and afternoons as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I'll supplement by offering to teach to help out the gym, you know, add value. And, like, get a little extra mat time in, too, you know. so And kind of bridge that gap between, like, morning and, and evening classes to, to keep the guys on the same page as well. But that's, you know, yeah. it is what it is. I, I'll figure it out in one way or another. So, but um, how are you liking the deep half stuff? I like it a lot. We, meaning myself and Victor, had pestered Paul last year to do a little deep half. Really? Because that was something that, that was a gap in our, in our knowledge how did you come to that conclusion that there was a gap? Because we had heard people talk about deep half. We kind of knew what the position was, and we knew nothing about it. Mm. So we got a crash course from him at that time, and there was a, a week where he taught it. Now he's magically doing like a month on deep half and all yeah, the variations. Yeah. And he seems to be doing more sequences, or dare I say even system-based approach which is very Keenan, and I think... Well, very Keenan. I don't want to give Keenan credit for that, but I've heard it from Keenan first. And I do think that's a great way to look at jiu-jitsu is, yeah, like is a microsystem. conglomeration of, of, of systems. And if you can teach the, the picture or algorithm of, the seer, of, the, of that, that scenario, of that system, then you'll have an understanding. And I like how, in Keenan's words, it's like 
these are the three to four common reactions you'll get. These are the responses that you should have. And if they do something crazy, then you learn something. And that's where uh, I wish we stuck a little bit longer with the knee cut, man. We, I don't think we spent enough time on that. I agree. Yeah, like we went straight to deep half. But I don't think that was necessarily a system. What do you mean it's not a system? <laughs> you sent me a link to a 25-minute video of Hoffa Mendez's. Uh, oh, that was a different kind of. Yeah, it was yeah. different, but it was similar. I very, mean, like, yeah, very right. good. The um, Did you ever figure out why it's called Crazy Dog? No. Neither did I. I, I looked it up too. I'm like, I'm trying to Google it, and I'm like, this has got to be some sort of uh, like where did that? It must be some weird lost in translation from like Portuguese to English. Well, something I so independent of this, but it's kind of an interesting observation. So I've started training at noon Mondays and Wednesdays, which is fun. You get different looks. You get different people yeah. to train with, and on Mondays. It's followed by pro practice, so you get a lot of diffusion black belts. Right? You guys from fusion, guys I haven't rolled with, higher level guys and girls that use jujitsu as a warm up. So I got to roll with. I even got to drill with um, Alan. I guess oh, that's on, what they call him, Alan. I, okay. I would just call him Alan. I mean, yeah. Uh, but Patrick, right? Yes. I think that's the last. UFC. You, he's a UFC fighter. Yeah, UFC fighter. Yeah, UFC yeah. fighter. And he's, a, and he's a Brazilian and he's a black belt. So he and I were drilling together doing deep half. And he was giving me some tips and stuff. And then I rolled with him afterwards. And man, dude, these Brazilians are all about the lapel and the grips. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like, lapel, lapel. You grab with good grip, lapel, lapel. <laughs> and when I rolled with him, he was more than anyone I've ever rolled with, really. I wouldn't say that because Paul uses grips. I mean, everyone I roll with uses grips, but he used grips in areas that were new to me hmm. and very interesting. And 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 it was just it was just a different feel, you know. Always trying very to get, definitely so. trying to get grips. What's so funny about it though? Definitely trying to get grips when you're in side control. Okay. So instead of securing people with cross face and underhooks, secure yeah, yeah, people yeah. with. Grip variation, the far side, lapel, lapel, grip, lapel, yeah, 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 under yeah. the armpit and stuff, yeah. that sort of thing. So that's really interesting. But what's so funny is how so many Brazilians hate Keenan for doing his like lapel the super card. lapel. I know. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> it's like, that's lapel. like the next evolution of lapel. <laughs> I know, that's more. Lapel. But I don't think they necessarily hate him for it. They probably hate him because he came up with it first, right? But they're using it now, aren't they? I mean, how how much of that I don't know. I, I'm just taking the very like yeah, yeah, yeah. cursorily glance at the situation. But so what's really funny is like there there's some sort of like discrimination against like when they say lapel, lapel, lapel. It's like they always refer to like basically like sternum level and up. Well, in his case, it was even in the deep half. He was he was telling me you got to grab the lapel when you're in deep half. You mean like feed the bottom one to the far leg to be able to get so, a, a tight waiter sweep the lock not the, hip the, the arm. Not the arm that's controlling the extended leg, but the arm that, for example, when you go to the waiter sweep, would go to, to the, the other hip. hip yeah, yeah. Grab the lapel there. Yeah, he's yeah. like lapel, lapel. Grab the lapel, and then when I you mean pass, that super locks you down, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah and, yeah, and yeah. he has a point. It's like I can't shrimp away when you have that, and right. it makes the pass easier. Like I get that. So, but it was funny. We had I I enjoyed it just because it was a different look, and it was fun to like communicate between broken Portuguese and English. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm using Portuguese but he's really not acknowledging it. 
and he's using English and I'm not really, you know, we're just like, <laughs> like getting by, you know, no one is, is just accepting the other person can speak the language or just like, no, no, I want to keep trying to speak English, Portuguese. Right? And he's like, no, no, I want to keep trying to speak English. <laughs> but he speaks English, right? Huh? He speaks English. He, he speaks better English than I speak Portuguese, Portuguese right? Like, so, sure. he, so, but we both understand lapel, so that would be. But it's fu- it's fun oh, to yeah. say Jesus aqui aqui. <laughs> is that aqui as here? Here, yeah. Okay, yeah. Which is different. Okay. Basically, but I, you understand Spanish, so you should be able. And to I, and I would it. tell him like I speak Portanol. That's that's what they call it in Brazil, Portanol, which is uh, this. You basically you say some Portuguese, but a lot of it is just Spanish, putting on what you think is the Brazilian <laughs> you Portuguese like, accent. <laughs> you're like adding like yous. Yeah. And you're, like, <laughs> you're just adding, and, and you make everything sound like a question. You know, it's just saying like instead of huge honor for me, you say huge honor for me. <laughs> same <laughs> thing. You do the exact same thing with your <laughs> Spanish, <laughs> and you're like I'm speaking so Portuguese. Would be port, port in English, Portanol. But that would be Port. Fourth English, or it's a huge honor for me. Oh yeah, like, that, would that would be, be uh, like with Spanglish. Yeah, yeah, that would be Port Port English or Eng. I've never heard English Englishies English. Yeah, but um, so uh, what? How did your class go Saturday? You thought it was? You said there were seventeen people there. You're talking about oh the one? Yeah, I, the, 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 one the, I ran, the little the drill Sunday. session. The Sunday, see, oh, that's Sunday right, at yeah. ten a.m. There were eight of us in total. Nice. And I thought it went well, pimp, as I told it, you. Man. Sell it. I'm sorry. Sell it to everybody. So, at give this us point, feature at benefits, this, not features. Come on. Okay, so if you want to be able to roll with Eric and not get hurt, Ooh, this is the class to take. So it is a leg lock drilling class with an emphasis on defense and safety. So one of my biggest goals is to make sure everyone knows to identify when they're in a situation that requires a tap and also know when you're not really in threat of catastrophic injury and when you can actually work escapes obviously to do that i immediately realize that you have to teach some level of offense so i actually first have to teach offense so that the person that's practicing defense will be able to practice it against someone that's doing the logical thing so you actually start off with a basic offense and then we start working in defense. So what we did on our first day was did a bunch of movement drills. So I actually started with uh, – it wasn't a hierarchy of positions because no, I wouldn't define them yeah, really each hierarchies. One is, there's, but yeah. a flow from Ashi to outside Ashi to 50-50 back to outside Ashi for simplicity – Reverse Ashi, saddle, four one one, Russian leg knot or leg weave. You know what's crazy is the fact that there are that many positions with only four limbs. Oh yeah, and that's not even there like, are that's so like, many variations. Yeah, exactly. I just went over what I consider what I deem the major like stopping places, yeah, but yeah, there yeah. are tons of variations on those positions and tons of leg entanglements that don't have such clearly delineated names. So that I want to do almost every class as a warm-up, just so people get in the habit of identifying what the positions are so they know when I'm in 50-50, these are the set of escapes I can yeah, do. That's, that's when I'm in Ashi, I can do this. When I'm in outside, I can do that, et cetera. So we opened with that. Then we did some leg pummeling drills, some Ashi entry drills, um, Lashi, some Ashi attachment drills, so just being able to making sure that so basically it starts. So this is kind of how I want to structure the classes. I started with 
leg pummeling. We did that brief. We did that for a minute. Then you add which leg, is way more tiring than you think. Leg it is. pummel to ashi entry to one leg, go out ashi entry on the other leg. Then a minute after a minute of that is ashi entry onto one leg. Actually, I, I did it with that one. With after each entry, your your opponent has to drag you for do a couple butt scoots back okay. and make sure you are attached to them and you follow them so that your your ashi is tight enough that right, if they right. scoot back, you just slide on, on on the ground with them. And then we did leg pummel, ashi entry, opponent peels your foot off and decides to hop their butt over the entire leg, yeah. which not necessarily what you want to do in a certain situation, but for the sake of the drill, I have them hopping yeah. over the entire leg. Because and then you go, and then you, yeah, and then yeah. you, you switch Ashi to the other leg. Right. So they've hopped out. Now you attack. The that's other a good leg drill for both people, right? And that's exactly that, that's the thing. So I want to get like, moved. That, that's good drill. So like. people get comfortable with using their feet, entering with their legs, that sort of thing. Then I broke down how to actually finish the outside heel hook from Ashi, which help me clarify you know i got a lot of clarity you know it's not you know i still had that image i told them of like ripping heels across chests but nobody's finishing with their back on the ground they're finishing on their side and they're putting their body weight on the heel so the heel can't move so you've caught the heel and now your the heel is being driven into the mat and now you're using your hip and you're using pressure on the toes because the toes are the lever yeah. to get the finish so i got cabrera to do the old ah, tap tap so i got to do the old paul like sorry sorry you know right, right, right. <laughs> so i did that just so they understood it um did a little heel digging just people so people figured out how to you know grab the heels and then we did about i don't know six to eight minutes of a heel hiding game i showed them what heel hiding is I told them, my goal, we're not doing any late escapes. We're not slipping no, heels. That's, that's not what you need to learn first. We're not, we're yeah. not slipping heels. We're not doing that. We're, we're doing things where you hide the heel and your escape involves hiding the heel. And with the exception of one situation, you can do that now. And that's what's cool is the latest escapes that I've seen in my research, these guys, guys like Craig Jones, they don't, they do not like exposing the heel, even on the outside, especially on the inside, to do escapes because you're risking damage and foot lockers are getting better, so you will incur some debt. You'll escape, but you'll incur damage. Yeah. And that's unacceptable. Yeah. If you, yeah. That's acceptable if you're in a competition I mean, the and there's like, millions of dollars on the line. To get four, right? Yeah. Like, but for, for what I'm trying to do, it's unacceptable. So... I showed him how to heel high, how to fight with your feet to hide the heel. Then we did a game where, for a minute, one person's trying to dig the heel. The other person's hiding. They can't use their hands. They can only use their feet. Oh, that's interesting. And we rotated partners, so we did one-minute rounds. And that was the class. Nice. We had some questions. And then this coming week, we'll actually go over the, the Ashi escape, where you continue to hide the heel and escape without exposing the heel. So no rolling. But I will probably go over how people started to escape ashi and outside heel hooks with yeah. rolling so I'll, 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 I'll i brought it up before and i'll bring it up again the whole gary tone and Tokino fight to me is the best example oh those yeah. guys would grab ankles and they just would roll like like alligator roll oh, off like, the mat oh like literally and yeah, then into so. the crowd and that was and i was like jesus and then they realized it's not a it's not a roll it's a rotation in place 
Right. It's a rotation escape. People still do that escape, but I still think it's risky. There's a situation where you have to do it. I can't think of a re- way you can't, but it's a different position, and I'll cover that later on. But I'll probably show that briefly. I'll probably start to show outside Ashi. But I can't show everything at once. And, you know, I don't want this to just be like three weeks and be done. Right, right, you know, yeah. and, and you need time to practice. And plus, like, so. it's only once a week. So you need, exactly. you need to focus on, yeah. But that's kind of, that's a real sampling of what we're doing. But over time, we will, you know, cover outside Ashi, saddle escapes, leg weave escapes, 50-50 escapes. And then hopefully, when people are rolling, if they get caught in a in a leg situ- in a leg entanglement, they know what they're what it is, and they can escape. The good thing is, the concepts are starting to hold up now. So instead of having to rotate one way for one thing, rotate another way for another yeah. thing, that only comes into play if your heel gets caught. It's more at this point you're always hiding your heel, and you're always escaping while hiding your heel. Yeah. So that's, that's at least that's a uniform. But that's not how people were doing it. Most people like, and there's even there are situations where there's one situation where you have to expose your heel to an outside heel hook because you have to rotate and get out. And people still do that. So I have to show them that as a reaction that some opponents will have. But I'm going to explain to them why I think it's risky right. and why they shouldn't do it unless they're really confident in themselves. But um, yeah, it was fun. Nice. I enjoyed it. And I hope, I, you know, early feedback was positive. This is, it's sort of selfish on your part because basically this is your opportunity to kind of find dedicated people because I know it's something you've been working on a lot. And you probably haven't gotten the, as much opportunity as you'd like to to practice it. I think uh, I definitely want to practice it because I want to stay safe myself. When I roll, I don't intentionally like my no, leg locks no. have all been like opportunistic leg locks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't been hunting like systematically. I used to be to. hunting. There's a phase where I was hunting. Right. Now I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in the mood to be in Z guard under someone's weight. Totally like fully going after someone's thigh and knee, trying to like expose their foot for a knee bar or an ankle lock. Like it just. Not fun. You get smashed a lot. No, hell yeah. I mean, like, yeah. even I mean, even Gordon Ryan fucked up his MCL. Oh, He's yeah. the best in the world, you know? So it's like the... Um, cool, man. I'm, I, I'm so it's like, be safe that. with Eric. And then also, if, if some white belt comes in that you don't know that's been on YouTube, <laughs> that you don't get caught. You know yeah, I mean? that's it, right? Like, that's... And that's this is cool. Like, I... This is, like, the type of stuff that I think is awesome that I would love to see more of at the gym that's not mine. Is people... You know, I kind of... I mentioned the other day, like the idea of John had said, I want to do not together, not necessarily put together a competition team, but it would be cool if more people got riled up and we got excited about something, right? For a common thing. Like, we'll just take that and run with it. Make it happen. You know, like there's nothing that's going to stop you from doing that. I don't think you're by any means stepping on toes. I posted the schedule. Yeah, man. No feedback. (laughs) I saw a bunch of likes. (laughs) I mean, but that's the thing is because we're not... And I th- so competition's one of those interesting things, right? Like, how much do you feel a competition-oriented school would they have more students if it was a school that didn't stress a bunch of competition versus one? How many students do you think they lose because? It's a, com- a competition-oriented school destructive that way versus how often do you think um, 
people who join just don't know better and end up sort of like getting into competition. So you're saying how potentially off-putting is it to a possible gym member if we were a competition exactly. heavy yeah. school? Yeah, off-putting, I guess. Yeah, there you go. Or how off-putting is it? Or how off-putting is it that we aren't necessarily a very competition-oriented school? I can tell you that when... Okay, so I can tell you this. When I was a software engineer in 2011, thinking about training jiu-jitsu, and one of my... One of the guys I worked with was training at Gracie Baja. I, I asked him, what's the training like? He's like, oh, it's good, man. They're, they're good guys and stuff, but they make you compete. And that... They make you compete. That, that was his words. His words. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> and that was off-putting to me. And that killed my thought about actually like going there because I don't want to be obligated to do anything. Even though I'm a hyper-competitive person. Right. I just... Just like I was put off, you know, to some degree... Uh, you know any sort of uniform policy you know which i mean so that's there's so many different like because you can you can try to sell policies however you want because i look i looked i would my view of the uniform policy was i'd roll my eyes as like this is a a a lame way to get more money it's a money grab right but from a from a business way it does look good when everybody when you walk from a from a consumer standpoint you walk in everybody's wearing the same thing it looks great um, sure, you know, I, you know, it's it it can be, and I think that's the big expectation of traditional martial arts schools, and that's what you know. Although some people are nonconformists, many people seeing, are, yeah. and seeing seeing a bunch of people wearing the same uniform might be off putting to those. This is true too. I mean, people. yeah, I mean, like, like fuck that. I want to myself included. My I don't individuality want, I don't by the gi I wear right? or the the rash guard I right. wear. So, but competition though, is it? Do you think a competition-oriented school breeds better jujitsu competitors, or do you no, think it the breeds- quality of instruction? I think if anything, you might you can have quality instruction and training partners independent of whether there's an emphasis on competing. You might attract higher quality grapplers, but if you're attracting higher quality grapplers, it's also because the instruction has to be good. Right. So. If you're saying the only way to attract talented instructors and, or coaches and grapplers is by having a competition school, then I would argue that point. I think you can get that without having to have. You don't have to. Oh, be I lawyer, agree. You don't I, mean, have I to agree. I'm just. I'm kind of thing, you know. You know or, um, that is just that's an interesting thing that I've like. And I use this gym as an example. I think. I would say pretty objectively. I think. Paul is a is a very high level instructor. Yes, and <laughs> the level of people that the, the the amount of competition that's pushed here is very small. Nil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what you I know, mean? Yeah, none, none is pushed. You know, sure. and then, because I mean, like, and I I use this statistic, and I I don't know whether it's true or not, but it seems pretty consistent with like reality. Is like ten people who walk in the door. I'm probably being generous. Three or four want to compete. A lot of guys come in and say, "Yo, bro, you know, I want to fight." I had some, yeah, <laughs> I want to fight. They, I want to, yeah. They, I mean, that's what most people say when they're walking. I want to fight, but like, I think a big part of it is after they train a handful of times, they're like, "Shit, if this is just training and it's this fucking hard, com- competition must be hell, right?" Um, but so I wonder if. 
I don't know. It's it's. But then again, like a lot of competition-oriented schools do maintain a high level of membership too. So, you know, but it, I just I'm just looking at it from a business standpoint. Like, I think from a business standpoint, you have to identify what customer base y- you yeah, want. Agreed. I don't think you can cater to everybody. So, did you listen to um, the latest? No, you don't listen to jujitsu. The jujitsu? Yeah, jujitsu. I'm aware of him. I don't listen guy. to the podcast that much. So he's he. I'll, I'll send you a link to it later on. And I, it's he had he had a guest on. And I was like, man, like, I see what you're getting at, but you're you're leaning a little towards like the this jujitsu sort of like a religion sort of thing, right? And I'm like, man. It's it's old he, school. He was making that point. No, not Chewy, because Chewy's very much. I mean, I think he's a little bit more progressive. Yeah, absolutely. His guest was like, I was like, I, I was kind of off put by, and I think Chewy also was a little bit kind of off put by this guy's opinion about like jujitsu and, or that that guy's opinion of it. So I just I, and he talked about like, oh, I've got. It's it's and I don't know how much of it is like a sort of personal thing, just very very unique to that guy. But he was like, you know, I've got my business. I'm gonna run the way I I I want to do it. If you don't like it, then fuck off, basically. You know. And I was like, man, like, is that really is that the attitude and arrogance that you want to have as a service provider to the community? I think it's it's also community building. You're building a community. And that community is going to be a huge component to retention. Sure. So that's why it's important to identify what community do you want? Do you want to have a bunch of, do you want to have a, for lack of a better term, a rotating group of Brazilian black belts that come every month that are like professional fighters that aren't really loyal they're just using your facility you know that sort of thing or do you want to you know get a young professional that wants to stay fit while doing their office job want to get people that don't enjoy working out traditionally in a gym but want to lose weight and build a community of people that aren't necessarily killers, but they're going to be longtime members. Yeah, I mean, like, that and it's 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 their own goal as a business, anyway. You know, sure. Like, so that's just it's it struck me as I'm like, man. I mean, of course, like I've gravitated towards this gym. I've trained several. You know, like I I always I think what Paul has going on here is a very very good thing going in terms of community building, curriculum, the way he like the way he doesn't push competition. You know. And in the way it's, he doesn't push anything on anybody, which is, I think, awesome too. But he doesn't shortchange the quality of the instruction. Exactly. And, you know, like whether you're a student, he doesn't try you to You don't upsell. have to be a competitor, a competitor to receive high quality instruction. It, or attention. Correct. You know, which it, it, in fact, I think, if anything, you might get more attention if you're not a sort of like hyper-motivated person yourself, you know? Like, he'll give it to you when you need it, but, like, he doesn't give you additional attention because he shows favoritism by any means. He gives everybody equal amounts of attention, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I, I had heard that. I was listening to that podcast today as well. And um, I was like, man, like, this, 
I'm 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 sort of surprised that jujitsu schools like that still exist. You know, like the the sort of like having a certain amount of arrogance and and not taking being a little bit more humble and kind of thinking from the same point of like we're providing a service to people more so. You know, but anyways, I think I think anytime you have a skill, particularly an athlete, uh, like a sports, an endeavor that could be construed as a sport. Yeah. You're going to have people claiming to be instructors that have no business being instructors for various reasons. Sure. Whether it's the person that trained for a month and says they know it all now or whatever. It's just, it's just the nature of the game. And I think early on, a novice that's polite will listen to everybody because they don't know any better. But then hopefully over time, they rather develop the ability to filter things in and out. So yeah. they don't necessarily have to be super rude to the person, but they can, as my mom likes to say, let it go in one ear and out the other. Right, right, right. You know? Uh, so what do we have on the books coming up here? Who do we, who we got lined up so far? So that's an excellent question. D Money was asking. Oh. So I okay. think D Money right. might be an after. So actually... Because we've been posting these in order. No, no, we can't. Do, do we let the people know who's coming up? Well, I did do. I posted that. I did post the upcoming. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Okay. For those. But in terms of like, who do we got on the books? I got. Well, we don't have so any. We, but I right and right now it's we'll keep that secret. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah we, we can't stuff. let that out of the bag. Yeah, yet, right. Um, but D Money wants to wants to come. Nice. On. I would and, love to. Have yeah. One. So we can chit chat to him. He's he is a. But we seem to have no yeah. shortage of. Interested of guests. Of interesting guests interested, available. Interested and interesting guests. And willing. And w- Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so anybody and, who's and out we've there. actually not been giving out as much free beer as I thought we'd need to get guests. It's. I don't... Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I think the beer is more for me and you than it is for other people. Um, Although it's always fun to get Chris's face super red. Oh, man. It, it's Those a, are the best podcasts. It's the... Yeah, it's... Uh, dude, I was listening to... We should to do a drunken rolling... The Tristan one. I was... I'm, I'm like half... I, first of all, I didn't realize we went like two and a half hours with Tristan. Yeah. Um, he's he's a lot of fun, by the way. Um, I didn't realize... All the guests I've... I, I can't, I'm like, I can't I was recall three any deep guests. of heavy beers into that. Fast <laughs> and, and dehydrated. <laughs> and I'm like, man, like... Did you notice some Oh, slurring? yeah. I was like, dude, I, I, I wasn't slurring. I was definitely far less um, diplomatic in my speech than I think I typically. <laughs> Which is am. funny because you're still more diplomatic than me sober. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I you know, I don't know who's listening, so I need to to be diplomatic about things. I mean, there there's so many things. Well, more we, people know you than they know me, so yeah, that we I, I like you know we were talking earlier today. I'm like, there's some stuff I wanted to talk about today, but that's probably not good for the podcast. So. Of course not. Um, but uh, how have you been enjoying the deep half stuff? It's good. I mean, I like a more so. I like the the, the waiter sweep because it's one of my higher percentage sweeps. Um, I like the details we're adding to it. Um, so do finer, you see? Do you see the these bruises here? Is that people like? healing this down is, th- this is being okay for paul when he's switching when, is it he's, when switching he's juggling up, he's like when he's jug- like oh my god <laughs> so i've got i've got i've got like little bruises all around my lower shin and mid ankle 
and it's from Paul's um, heavily callous Muay Thai shins. Oh my god! Going into me. <laughs> <laughs> and like he's switching healing hooks. down and stuff <laughs> yeah so i it brought he also light. like yeah. almost dislocated my my kneecap or something it's like some guys will also just hug over here and he hugged right over my kneecap and, and pushed up, like, and i just ah like, i felt my knee just go in he's like he's, i got the i elicited the old oh sorry <laughs> which like i said it's like that's the thing it's like it's almost like you want to do that to prove that the techniques work yeah and everyone's like, ooh, ooh, be scared so like, something oh, that was really interesting that he pointed out on saturday and i realized now it's funny because like I, I always I always notice like the waiter sweep can potentially put people in a bad position, right? Like you can f- seriously fuck somebody's knee up because of their natural reaction to try to counterbalance mm-hmm. in the waiter sweep, right? And I don't know if I've ever tried to waiter sweep you, but like I almost nine times out of ten stop halfway through the sweep, ask them, ask them <laughs> if their knees okay. If they go yes, then I continue the sweep, right? And <laughs> like what you and Tommy were talking about, yeah, like literally sweep, stop. You okay? Like, you okay? okay? And then all right, if you're good, then I go. And Paul actually pointed out the other day. He's like, man, he must have noticed everybody's probably jacking their knee up. And he used the example of like somebody doing the upa, and a lot of times people end up fucking up their own wrist because they plant their hands sure. on that, you know. And I was like, oh man, like so it it, it isn't me. It's literally them. Which made me kind of like I was like oh okay like I'm not I'm not doing mean jujitsu when I do my waiter sweep from butterfly. Yeah. Actually, that's one thing I do need to cover in the dringling class is understanding when a reap is happening and how to go with it. Oh yeah, yeah. So you need that, to go with a a, a, a reap that way. Because a reap know. feels. And also, I need bad. to actually explain which I did, and I'm going to do this next class. Is actually like talk jargon. about what to feel because there's no pain it's like if you feel pressure in your knee at any point stop yeah like that's you don't it's not a pain thing if you just start to feel pressure in either yeah, side you of your knee feel a heel hook like pain in the heel if hook. you feel any tension on either side of your knee you need to stop immediately so do you okay so you do agree with up uh, to a certain degree that reaping can be dangerous reaping yes of course okay it's, and I, 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 I intentionally do not reap white belts. Okay. That's fair. That's, a, that's good. I mean, just because I remember... Although I don't... I do like... The, I did for a little bit like reaping into the leg weave, but I actually find that any... Most people that have any sort of skill will know how to get... It's, it's, it's actually a lower percentage entry because, because they can immediately spin more, out. They can immediately yeah, spin out. Yeah, I would say because like, you're... You're in a less I'm talking about going position. from single X, reaping, and then trying to reach their far leg and go into a leg weave position. Oh. The problem is they could, anybody that reaps, if you go with it, then you're already – if you know to go with it, then you should almost always know that you can just keep backstepping yeah, yeah, and yeah. smash them. Right, right. So it's really not – It's better to go see the benefit to a reap from 50-50. But that's reap's not even that bad. Like to me, the blatant reap is from single leg X on the top. Well, yeah, because you're but you're like forcibly you said, like, like smashing them down. Yeah, yeah. And then the other down, one. Yeah. And then there's other stuff where, like sometimes I think when you like I don't know what is it like the matrix where you can when you're doing back takes you can start to collapse people's combat knee inward and it's kind of a it's not exactly a reap, but your your base anytime you're to me you've got a knee between your ankle and your hip, right? Like a good squat position. That's, that's good. That's, and anytime you're yeah. pushing the knee outside of that, well, especially inward, then, you know, you need to know to go with that feeling, you know? And that's where I, 
I do agree, and it's funny because like I always sort of like if you listen to other folks and they talk about like the idea that these like catastrophic ACL tears happen all the time from reaps, like basically poking fun at the IBGF rule. Like I don't feel as though like the IBGF put that rule in place for no reason because of to keep you know. Yeah, but what's so weird about that people, rule people. is that if you reap that way, it's a reap. If you get into technically a reaping position by backstepping from quarter guard into the saddle, even though you're in a reaping position, you didn't get into it by reaping, so you're okay. But it's not so okay. It's not, so, it's, it's, so that you don't get disqualified for that. Right, right, right. The minute you touch the leg that's being reaped, even though it's not being reaped anymore, yeah, then you get DQ'd, but you can attack the other leg. That's oh. like how the rules are right now. So you can straight ankle lock the, the secondary leg. leg, not the primary leg, the secondary leg, if we're in Danaher's terms. That's interesting. That's so, really interesting. So it's weird, But if you go into that position with a different entry, you get DQ'd immediately because you actually reap to get there. Right. But right, if you backstep, it's like, John. oh, I didn't re- I'm just there. You know? Yeah, because so your knees already... I, I, think, I think... And the problem is most refs probably don't... Like, the head ref should probably know, but finding refs that actually know those subtleties. Yeah. Like I remember famously in social media world, uh, Gordon Ryan posting a number of like, this is a DQ. This is not a DQ. Yeah, this is a yeah, DQ. This is not he, a DQ. He's like whispering in the And I didn't even that. know what Ashi and Cross Ashi was and Senkaku's were. Right. Now I could go back and maybe understand it, but he was going through it super fast. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I, I remember the Instagram but post. it's kind of ridiculous. So I think, I think there should be... I think it's kind of clear from single X and, and reaping hard is a problem, could be a problem, you know, but I think probably when they made the rules, leg locks were less mature. Now they're more yeah. mature. So I think they we don't have a better understanding of what problematic positions are and what, what dangerous positions are and what right. non-dangerous positions are, by the way. Yeah, we got nine minutes. So yeah. what are you going to practice it today? What we're, what I didn't get as much of a chance. Are to you, practice. Pr- okay, let me put it this way. Outside of what we're t- practicing, which is deep half, are there any particular other techniques that you practice while rolling? Right now, I've <laughs> I've honestly been trying to play with the Levo guard. Really? Yeah. Um, because I have, I'm trying to go and Lebo get- from close guard or Lebo from reverse Alahiva. Lebo from close guard. Okay. Because a lot of people when they attempt to pass try to deal with this leg and I'm super good at getting this leg everyone listening is like this leg and as you're you're pointing to it yeah so everybody's everybody's trying to deal with my invasive left leg but that's close guard how do you have an invasive left leg in close guard I don't I'm always playing with it like this so you're not close guard you're trying to open guard no no yeah yeah no no but even close guard but like from close guard I start I open it and I start trying to scissor sweep right and so okay. people will start to grab this and a lot of times to try to underhook it this way. So then you want to use and that to go across. And I go across and that's my opportunity to grab this collar bridge out or create a little space, get this butterfly hook in too. So that's where I'm kind of playing right now. So I, I have been like legitimately trying to okay, play I'm with gonna it. I'm going to try and roll with you today. So, you so can and I'll see. try to funnel that way, you to. know, but it, it, I can get there a lot because it's something that I just, I can get, I'm good at getting that leg in. So like right now I play with it and I use it to get my, not not proper butterfly or spider hook in, but then the same side spider hook in versus like mm-hmm. the far spider hook. So um, I've had pretty good success like stomping down with that leg to come up, mm-hmm. but I haven't had 
much success doing using it to try to like come back and get like triangles and omoplatas and stuff just yet. So cool. That's my secondary like fucking around with time. What are you aside? Well, you you're, are you just gonna work on your own curriculum at this point? Aside from deep half, I actually don't try to force deep half because it's work. Like with most of the guys I'm going with, like I I I train deep half in situational sparring and I train it opportunistically, but I don't try to funnel the deep half. Really, I get there a lot. I get there a lot too, especially when people are trying to mount me and stuff. Yeah, like I'm in that quarter mount position. And I, I get go there to from deep. butterfly guard. But I'm trying to work butterfly guard a lot. Oh, yeah. That's my big thing is working butterfly. And that's a you, section you I've never the, done that. You get the strongest, the most powerful sweep that way. Exactly. The problem What's with necessary that, so, and maybe, maybe we can talk about it on the mats, but I'm finding that I'm having a hard time finishing the sweep. The, like the I actually get into the position, but yeah. I actually, I'm having a hard time finishing it. Either uh, maybe it's a grip or maybe my angle for kicking is off, that sort of thing. And then I'm working on this double underpass that I got from Galvao that utilizes the lapels. La, I tried la, doing la that bell, with you. Bell. And uh, I like it. it. It seems super safe. It's just figuring out ways to cleverly enter. So figuring oh, out I setups. It. It's like it's it, it definitely one of those things where if you get it, you're, you're good. But right, you right. need to set it up. Getting, yeah, yeah, you need yeah. to like cleverly sneak your hand in. And, and I'm realizing that I can get one grip without anyone really thinking about it. And then if I can be quick with the other hand so working with that uh he's he's so anyway chris it was cool to get a little one-on-one time yeah man and we got uh, to relax a little bit now i'm gonna now we're just gonna watch nick and eli dudes like slap him in the face (laughs) all right man i'll see you on the mats yeah man